Welcome to an opening day weekend edition of This Week in Missouri Politics from the state capital in Jefferson City. Joined by Lieutenant Governor Mike Kehoe. I see you have a master's jacket on, but in real Missouri, this is opening day weekend. It's opening day weekend, and there's nothing more exciting than being opening day at either of our two ballparks, of course. I've been to many of them it's in very St. Nice Louis. Of you to say. And uh, well, the Royals are my favorite American League team. So the junior circuit needs a favorite, right? Well, um, be a great time to be at either stadium. <laughs> but thank you for asking me that question. So the parents that are doing a good job raising their kids to be Cardinal fans, you there's an initiative that's worked on that I know I've seen you talk about. It's called the Parents' Bill of Rights. I, I don't. I'm not a school expert, but I got frustrated personally when my son had to wear a mask at school when the adults didn't have to but they could still pick on the kids and it kind of i think opened up a lot of doors to folks to get a little cantankerous about schools i don't know what the solution is but it does feel like i should be able to tell when i when my son has to wear a mask break down what the parents bill of, i think this is an issue that's touching a lot of folks right now well the parents bill of rights is uh, really common sense legislation that's moving through the house and senate will have it soon. There's two different forms, one that's statutorial change, one that would go to the rights of the voters to, to approve. Uh, and obviously what's happened in the last two or three years, to your point with your son and parents all across this nation, and particularly in our state, they, they kind of woke up to what was going on inside their school. Now, now Missouri has several hundred public school districts yep. and many of them do an awesome job and use common sense to teach those kids and continue to have them learning through the pandemic. However, several of them weren't so transparent. And what the Parents' Bill of Rights does is says that parents have a right to know what their kids are being taught in that school. And if they don't like what's being taught in that school, they have the right to put their child into an environment they think is more conducive for that child. What I say the Parents' Bill of Rights is about, it has the word parents on it, but it really helps us focus on what's good for the children. That's what gets lost in this building a lot. That's what gets lost a lot of times when adults start talking about education. They stop talking about the kid. And the kids are the most important part. Just before we went on the show, uh, I was getting a briefing about some test scores about kids that have really dropped, especially just in the K through three level, uh, pre-pandemic compared to pre-pandemic because kids were just being shuffled through the system just to get them into the next grade. Remote learning, wearing masks, all these things that affects an environment for kids to learn, that's just not been the place we need to be. Uh, last week I was at Wellington Napoleon School the class two girl state champions, they want me to say. I, there were several parents there. They don't think Wellington Napoleon is doing a bad job, but they're a little concerned with some of the stuff they see in other schools. I, I do think there's a natural want for transparency in all things. And I think there's a part of this, I think parents want to, you can get access, you, you can buy a car now online, right? You can buy a truck. You go to the dealership, you have a ton of information when you walk in. But it's sometimes hard to know what your kids are getting taught. And I don't think parents are necessarily angry at what their kids are getting taught. I think they'd like to know. And it should be something they could find online, right? Right. And, you know, some, unfortunately, some of the education institutions, and certainly not all of them, continue to come to this body and say, we need more money. Well, throwing yeah. money is not the answer to the solution here. Transparency, school boards working with parents, administrators working with the parents, and making sure that they know what their kids are being taught, and listening to the parents who are their customers at the end of the day to try to find out what's best for the kids. That's what the Parents' Bill of Rights is all about. But there's an interesting part of that. I've seen the governor come out and want to raise teacher pay. I, I watch some Republicans, well-meaning folks, they want to run the government based off, they get Twitter likes, right? I mean, they don't really see investment in, in, in maintenance or infrastructure as part of being conservative. Although in a five-year cycle, you'll spend twice the money that if you maintain it, they don't see raising state employee pay. If you don't pay folks, they'll get a better job. And if you've never ran a business, you don't understand what it's like to train an employee. If you've always been the employee, you don't get that cost. 
is the Republican Party risking kind of losing that ability to have businessmen in the room and actually say, well, no, there is a cost to losing employees. Yeah, it's it's a voice that's needed in this building. So people who are running for office right now that have run a business or manage a business, I would encourage your viewers to take a hard look at those men and ladies because you don't want to lose that voice in this building in both the House and Senate, certainly on the second floor and the executive level. You want somebody that's run a business that understands what the market is all about and what you need to do to train and maintain good employees because your product's only as good as the people around you. And I that doesn't matter if it's state government or if it's a manufacturer. Facility. Early in your time as Lieutenant Governor, one of your jobs is presiding over the Senate. I watched Doug Lively, you were presiding, Doug Lively was inquiring of Mike Cunningham, and I got to thinking, is somebody going to have the temerity to stand up and tell these guys about economic development? And sure enough, someone did who had employed no one that I know of in their life. It, it, the party sort of risked kind of getting into the too much pandering on the social media. If, you take, if the Republican Party is not the party for business and entrepreneurs, what's it for? Well, the Republican Party is for good conservative values, and those conservative values bring economic development yeah. to our state. If you don't have proper infrastructure, whether it's in education or roads and bridges, you're not going to have economic development. If you don't continue in economic development, you're not going to provide opportunities to Missouri families, and that's what we need to make sure we do. Missourians want to work. They're great workers. We have a great work ethic in this state. We just need to create an environment where businesses can grow and, and, and survive, and those employees can have an opportunity to better themselves and better their families. Let me talk about that. You had a big week this week on the campaign trail. You're running for governor. We, 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 I've enjoyed talking about it since you sat in this chair the week you announced. This week, I think one of the most, if not the biggest, endorsement in the state is the firefighters. They came out strong for you out of the gate. Well, I am just unbelievably honored and humbled to have firefighter support. Uh, our family, you know, Irish immigrants from uh, North St. Louis City, we are all either firemen or policemen. That's everybody in my family. That's what their jobs were. <laughs> Uh, and so it's, it's kind of like having the family help you uh, through a campaign. Firefighters have been great people. Our communities respect our firefighters. They risk their lives every day to keep us safe. Uh, and so that endorsement was incredible. As you know, we've also had the Fraternal Order Police endorsement, the Cattlemen's, the Soybean Association, Missouri Ag. So we've had a great mixture of both public servants and agriculture and business groups who have said, you know, we think we need a business person, somebody who's been through various businesses, who's signed both sides of a check, who understands what it's like to run an organization uh, at the top of state government. Certainly, you know, I'm a big fan of Governor Parson. I think he's done a fantastic job. But I think I can take what he's done and then combine my kind of urban and rural experience that I've had in my life to really help move the state to the next step. It's interesting. I, I remember in 2008 when you first ran for office, those yellow, I saw all the yellow t-shirts out. It reminded me of them when those guys were out bagging you for state senate. Some of the best guys in this state. Man, when I ran for senate, if it was a parade, if it was putting out yard signs, <laughs> it was a parish picnic, firefighters showed up everywhere with the Firefighters for Keogh shirts. I'll never forget that. They were the very first organization to help me when I ran for senate, the very first ones. And that's, so we've had a long relationship and a good relationship. Break this down. Um, it's funny now, today I see some of your biggest supporters be a Doug Libra be folks you served with. I remember when you were the floor leader in the Senate, things got a little contentious. Maybe not quite like today, but there were certainly nights where tempers flared. Now today, I watched them be some of your biggest supporters. Can you give any advice and I'm sure you do, but you have some, a public thing you could share well, listen, running the Senate you know, floor. In this building, people are going to have differences of opinion. Senator Leibel and I had differences of opinion mm -hmm. all the time. But at the end of the day, we also had a personal relationship that yep. respected each other for his ability to be incredibly successful in his life, who came from nothing. Yep. 
Uh, and he respected the same about me because we had similar stories. And that's what we've lost in this building is that personal interaction, that personal network that appreciates you as a person, respects your opinion, might not agree with where you're at, but respects you as a person. And if you can't get that respect back, the wheels come off the wagon pretty fast. Do you think, I mean, this session, that might be a, a silly question to ask. You think over the interim there's a way that some folks could bring some guys in a room and say, hey, Let's take the personal out of this a little bit and, and find some common ground. Well, you know, weird things happen in this building that you and I could never predict sure. that all of a sudden make things seem to gel together. I've seen it year after year. You have too. You've been around a long time. But yeah, certainly if there's any advice, and nobody really cares about my advice, uh, but if there's any advice, I think getting to know each other, I mean, senators would travel to each other's districts yep. and understand what's in their backyard. Doug used to host a ton of people down in southeast Missouri and show them what that's about. Dan Hageman hosts people up in northwest Missouri to show them what's going on in the great northwest. The more senators can learn about each other, what their background is, and develop that personal relationship, the better the floor is going to go. And that's just, it, it, they can still disagree, but the better that conversation's going to be and that debate's going to be healthy and not personal. Speaking of getting around this state, I don't think there's a person I've ever met that drives this state as much as you. I, I, somebody told a joke the other night, they watch your Twitter account and they get tired. Tell me what's going on with the tourism in this state. I, part of your travel is for that. It is fun to watch you enjoy this state. Well, we enjoy it, and I have to give credit to your biggest fan in the Kehoe household, Claudia Kehoe, because she travels with me everywhere, and she will tell you that's the best part of the job. There's incredible people and incredible things going on here. Tourism industry is coming back quite nicely yeah. to answer. Your, uh, to answer, you know, almost 300,000 Missourians are employed by the tourism industry. It's a big industry. Yeah. $18 billion impact on our state's economy. Uh, we want to continue to grow that because our state has so many great things to showcase from our parks to our private opportunities. Uh, we just need to get more people to understand it and we know we can hit the ball out of the park. I saw some folks previously talking about these short trips. I mean, if you look at, look at our state, if you're in our state or near one of the seven or eight states that borders, Missouri has terrific weekends. You can go all wherever you are. You're no more than two hours from somewhere that's great that you've probably never been to. We're a staycation state. We're yeah. that three to five day yeah. state. We're never going to be the two week state. Play to our strength, three to five day state, and if, if Governor Parson would say, let's promote to people who can get here in one tank of gas. Now, gas is incredibly high, but we don't want them to have to buy two, two tanks of gas. So that is, to your point, it's the neighboring states around us, it's those two or three hundred mile people away. They can find diversity in our state from Branson to Hannibal that's totally different, like being in two different countries, uh, and it's all great. All those experiences are people like. Last, you mentioned Governor Parson. Is it not ridiculous that our state's greatest treasure, the St. Louis Cardinals, opening day is not a state holiday? Well, I think it should be a state holiday. I, mean, and I don't I even would, know what the other side of that I would, is. I would say that we definitely have to figure out a way to get there, and uh, I would propose maybe we pass some legislation to get that done and, and, and see if the governor wouldn't sign it. Well, I know the governor is a big Cardinal fan, but like everybody else, he appreciates both organizations in our state. Very it's nice of you to say. It's very healthy. I've, uh, I but, find uh, when folks are going to run statewide, all of a sudden they have a Cardinals and Chiefs hat in their office on the shelf, and that's just sort of been the way the state's been for a long time. you got to remember, I'm married to a Cubs fan, so I'm and used we love to this. Anyway, I'm, I'm used to these people who don't understand how great the baseball <laughs> Cardinal organization is. Well, Governor Gill, I hope as the campaign and maybe even the session unfolds, you'll come back and visit with us on this week in Missouri We'd politics. love to do that. I always enjoy being on with you. Thank you so much. You bet. We'll be right back with our Opinion Maker panel. Representative Travis Smith from Porter Wagner Boulevard makes his debut on the show after this.
All across Missouri, our new car and truck dealers are building strong local economies. When you buy a car or truck in Missouri, you're helping to support over 20,000 Missouri families who rely on the auto industry for good-paying local jobs. You're also helping fund our communities, schools, first responders, and our roads because dealers generate millions of dollars in tax revenue. Missouri's automobile dealers have been the foundation of our communities for generations and for generations to come. The Missouri Automobile Dealers Association, the heart of Missouri. For more than a century, the St. Louis Carpenters Union has shaped our communities. Through trusted alliances, we deliver skilled professional craftspeople while our business partners provide the kind of quality jobs that keep our economy humming. It's a blueprint that has worked since 1882. Turning Missouri into a right-to-work state stalls progress, wipes out jobs, and kills momentum. Right-to-work is wrong for everyone. Let's keep Missouri moving forward. Visit carpdc.org to learn more. Your energy needs are changing. That's why at Ameren, Missouri, we're not waiting on the future. We're building it with the Smart Energy Plan, advancing thousands of projects across the state helping reduce emissions through cleaner energy sources, boost reliability with self-healing equipment, and better withstand storms with new composite poles. Moving Missouri forward and bringing us all a little closer together. That's Energy at Work, Ameren, Missouri. Welcome to this week of Missouri Politics from a very busy state capital. Two folks for the first time on the show, Representative Travis Smith down in God's Country, Howell County, Porter Wagner Boulevard. Welcome to the show. Douglas County, Ozark County, Taney County. Got them all. Thanks, thanks for having me. Uh, Camelia Peterson, I, I know you from Twitter. What do you do when you're not tweeting sarcastic and funny things? I uh, work mostly in grassroots engagement with people on the ground, and then I'm also the editor of the Libertarian Republic. And we got to just say, you're not direct blood kin to Austin Peterson. No. Ideologically, maybe kin, right? <laughs> yes. Betsy Vogel, Sarah Pacific of Springfield, welcome back, and terrific, terrific yes, shirt. I mean, day. the fashion plate of this panel. <laughs> Brian Trees, the mayor of Columbia, congratulations on a tremendous job well done. Thank you, Scott. It's been a great honor to serve, and I'm proud to be back on your show. Betsy, you're on the, on the budget committee. What did the House put in the budget, and what did it leave out? Absolutely. So we, the House perfected the budget yesterday. There's a lot of great stuff in there. Uh, we have some teacher pay increases, some increases for nursing homes and, and facilities that take care of our state's most vulnerable. A lot of great stuff in the state budget. I think today when we third read, what you'll hear from my side of the aisle is we still are leaving quite a bit of money on the table, about $1.8 billion in general revenue. And, and the Democrats yesterday offered some creative ways that I think would leave some You got some money to spend that money, I reckon, we, we right? had, In a short way, yeah, we got some ideas. Is this going to be the first time that you third read a budget in your career, but maybe the career of even Peter Meredith, where you're not talking about Medicaid the whole time? Yes. Camille <laughs> Peterson, when we talk about this state budget, there's four or five things I think when I think of you. That gas tax put a burr in your saddle, didn't it? Yes, it did. <laughs> we don't need more money um, in, the, in the Department of uh, Transportation right now. We need, there's plenty of money there to fix roads and bridges. We just got to- Is there really? Yes, they just need to allocate it. The legislature can do that. And so we there's just, money you would say take out of schools and other colleges and stick it into the highway right, well, department, right? How much did she just say that there wasn't, they haven't used yet? Plus that influx of federal funding that is coming in over the next few years on top of that. And you know, it may be a small thing, but I think that it's something, it's not that we won't ever need to yeah. have a tax for roads. Yeah, I get that. But right now I think is not the time for it and we don't need it. And frankly, I think the way they did it was underhanded. The people had voted it down and yes, I'm saving my receipts. 
Are you going to do it? I am going to do it. <laughs> See, even if I, I actually think you need to build some, you got to run things like a business at some point. You can't run the government on Facebook likes. But I think if you, at some point, even if I had a burn on my saddle, I'm no way responsible to save these receipts. I think they knew that when they did it, because I think I may be representative of Missourians. You're far too organized, I think, to represent at least Southern Missouri, right, well, Travis? Stubborn. <laughs> Travis, there's something that you and I are kin folks, not just not just kin folks on. You and I know where 60 is. We also know 142 that runs down. Correct. Rural broadband. It is just it's the it's the one thing the government can do that there's no way it'll ever be an economic reason to do it. It would change the lives of rural Missouri. We, we have to have it. One of the things we found out, and we talk about free market up here quite a bit, there is no market there because there's not enough people. Yep. I have 37,000 people in each political district, state representative. My new area covers four counties, 83 miles of Arkansas frontage. ISPs don't, internet service providers, can't be down there because they can't make any money. So the only way to do it is through the cooperatives. Well, back in the day, you couldn't have built the roads to rural Missouri to get to town. Correct. That, we had to build roads. Then you had to build, the co-ops had to build electricity. There'd be parts of the state that still didn't have electricity. And now you change the whole dynamic of this state if you give folks a chance to have good jobs from good rural Missouri areas. And, and the first thing every realtor from southern Missouri yep. will tell you, when they ha get a question, someone asks about a piece of property, is how's your internet? It's something people have to have. It's no longer a luxury, it's a necessity. Mayor Trees, I see this, this is an interesting thing to me. I hear Republicans talk about, you gotta run things like a business. Mm. Most of whom have never ran a business, but you get the ones, you get a, you get a Doug Lively, right? That you had disagreements on, but Doug Lively ran a business. Absolutely. You had Mike Keogh created a job. You had Dave Schatz that actually employed people. I hear all these experts about economic development, they've never employed anyone. You, when you talk about state employees, state employees are no different than anyone else, right? If you don't pay them, they'll go get a better job. Everyone's having hiring challenges yes. now, and our job is to recruit and retain the best talent because taxpayers have to pay twice every time we lose a skilled, qualified, uh, well-trained state employee, whether they're a snowplow operator or a, a caseworker for the Department of Social Services. We have to retrain them, advertise for them, bring them in. It's much better if we pay them what they're worth so that they can do their job and serve taxpayers. If you run a business, that makes total sense. And part of the problem, I think, on the Republican side is a lot of folks have never ran a business. They've never trained new employees because they've never had employees to start with. They've been the employee that gets trained. I think that's part of the part of the Republicans missing. If you don't reinvest in maintenance and you don't maintain your people, it actually is an expense. You might get a Twitter like that day, but that ain't going to help you when you have to pay more to have more people come in and out. There's a cost of losing employees. Well, this budget represents a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity yeah. to make generational investments in both state and local infrastructure. And roads is something that we can all agree on. Broadband, especially in rural areas, is something we should all invest in because they're catalytic. It jumpstarts our economy and gets people from good schools to good jobs and uh, lets them start a business at a time when people can work anywhere from home if they have access to high-speed, affordable internet. You know firsthand, being in Columbia, the folks that have grown, where that bluebird has their footprint, and kind of not, it's not necessarily Columbia, but it's around there. I believe your co op does some work. You guys have seen with the value of when you build this broadband out. It, it, it really sparks growth you would never see otherwise. And it's going to be the more urban areas, the more dense, the new neighborhoods that have access to, to broadband yep. because the utilities put them in when those houses are built. It's the older, poor neighborhoods or rural areas where, as, as Representative Smith said, um, it's hard to make a profit. And that's why the co-op model works so well when we can all come together and guarantee, whether that's through affordable loans or uh, payback or a little bit of subsidy to make sure that everybody has access to the same uh, resources and technology. Let's talk about internet, but to inter uh, 
initiative petition reform, maybe internet one day. So right now, it's relatively easy for other states to put something on the ballot in Missouri. And matter of fact, many folks have, have made change from the liberal side by doing that. Now there's Republicans who are like, okay, we, we, we dominate the legislature, we're tired of this, we're gonna rein that in. <clears throat> as a person who probably as a, as a supporter and opposed some of these things, as an activist on the ground, what do you think of changing the process, make it harder? There are pros and cons to it. I do think, though, that it's it's probably a good thing to make it a little more difficult to happen. On the downside... Maybe just a pinch, right? Yeah. Just a little more. Yeah. <laughs> On the downside, it does make it um, also more difficult to get some of the good things through that we would like to see happen through, you know, um, House Joint Resolutions, things like... Um, things like court reform, you know, issues like that, that we might not otherwise, you know, be able to get through. Court reform, the Republicans have turned on court reform. Well. I see folks tweeting about how right-wing <laughs> they are, and now I see them really tweeting about how they're in line with MATA, which is a, is an, a marriage I would not have saw coming. Yeah. Representative Smith, what do you think? I mean, it feels like it's pretty easy to get stuff on the ballot, it and it, but it also feels like you, you need to have that access. Maybe you're looking to make it a little harder. We wanted to make sure that each congressional district had to get signatures. From That's each, right. that, that was the big thing. Because right now, we always talk about in the urban versus rural areas, you can sit in a shopping center in St. Louis, Kansas City, Columbia, and Springfield and get enough people on the ballot. Let's we be want honest, to make it. though. If you can go, you can sit outside a Soulard Farmers Market, you can sit out the plaza, and city folks will sign your petition. I watch it happen. You can have to Port Wagner Boulevard. And some old boy from St. Louis asked you to sign something. You guys are going from around here, are you? I mean, you ain't going to tell the government your address for no reason. That, that's correct. They pull a and, gun on you. And so you've got to have it from each congressional district. It'd be harder. Maybe that's correct. the thing. Represent you, Brian, you've been part of campaigns that have benefited from this process. You also know this entire state better than most folks. I, I think it needs to be available, but isn't it something to be said for you have to stand outside Hickory Log and Dexter and convince a hillbilly to sign your petition? But this is a solution looking for a problem, and here's why. The people's right to seek redress of their grievances is sacrosanct, and the government should not put its thumb on the scale here. When you look at time and time again, whether it's the people overturning right to work or passing Medicaid expansion or clean Missouri only to have the legislature substitute their judgment for the will of the voters, we shouldn't be tipping the scale. Now, in, on the issue of Prop A in 20 with right to work, they gathered signatures, 310,000 signatures in all eight congressional districts. So um, that can happen. Isn't that maybe the point? If you're going to go to this process, you do it like labor did it. You bring the whole state in because you know as well as I do, if you're at Hillbilly Junction down in his area, they ain't going to sign your paper without making a good case. Well, I think that's right, but you know, the other thing is we, we, we shouldn't make it more difficult for voters and the people to get what they want out of their General Assembly. And I think now, that's why the If the, the Senate gets their there. way, we'll have a St. Louis Congressman, so they can just stand out there in Arnold Commons and get all the signatures, that's right? It won't right. even matter. Representative, uh, I've seen liberal causes benefit, right? Mm -hmm. I've seen conservative causes sometimes benefit. The, uh, the initial petition process, it feels like you could make it a little harder and you wouldn't, you wouldn't preclude it, but you make it a little harder. Yeah, so I think it's important to remember that the pendulum here in the state of Missouri will swing back. Right now, of course, we have a Republican governing majority, which means that typically liberal ideas are getting placed on the initiative petition process, but that will change. And any change we make now will influence when Democrats are the governing majority and make it harder for some conservative ideals to get back on the ballot. I've seen your Twitter because it's funny and I like it. Also insightful, but I, I, I'm more simple, so funny's for me. I see there's a thing where right now, I feel, like, I feel like the medical marijuana is going to be expanded to recreational marijuana. But they kind of want to do it through the same process they did medical. Some folks I've seen have a beef with that. Representative Hicks, we almost had pinch hit here. 
Uh, I think he's got to burn his saddle about that. Tell me your position on it and how this affects the initial petition process. Right. So, you know, legalize, fully, full legalization is going to happen, whether anybody likes it or not. Eventually it's going to happen. I think everybody pretty much accepts that, that at this point. And we're left with a choice. Are we going to have a ballot measure that is bad for Missouri, that adds more to our Constitution like the... The, the medical marijuana uh, measure was not good either, and, and now it's enshrined in the Constitution. It's cronyistic. This one will be the same way. So it would be far better, and I think it's an obligation on the part of the legislature to put through good legislation, um, you know, and let the, you know, vote on that. And if the people, you know, people talk, can talk to their representatives about which way they want them to vote. But I think that, you know, that's, an obligation that the legislature has to prevent, you know, bad measures that come on because you give a lot of outside funding that comes in and pushes those. And shouldn't you have to come down and ask us hillbillies to sign your petitions? Come on down. We're nice folks. We ain't going to sign them, but we're nice folks. Yes. <laughs> we'll tell you no, bless your heart style. <laughs> Mayor, give me a prediction. Do they change the process this year? I don't think they do. And, and again, I think we need to preserve the people's right to... Do they change it next year? Um, that's possible. What happened? That bill passed this year through the Senate? No. Next year? Possibly. Wait, do they change the process this year? I don't know. Are they going to get credit from you if they change the process next year? Credit from me? Yes. Ah, sure. <laughs> you, you do it this year? Upcoming years. Yeah. I think, they, I don't, I think a lot of, there's a whole bunch of folks in the up, upstairs on the third floor that think maybe next year is my time. And the one thing I hear is it's got to help veterans. If we do something like that, we've got to do something to help the veterans. I mean, you tell me about, uh, you, you've monitored several bills on school choice, one of them. A House bill from Brad Pollitt, good guy from Sedalia, is moving through. Seems like that may be something that has a chance. Yes, so we would like to see school choice expanded, um, you know, in Missouri. It's actually incredibly difficult to do for, you know, something that's on the, you know, Republican platform. Uh, it's very difficult to but do here. Does anybody know what Republican platform is? Yeah, I mean, these are the I people that know. can't decide well, if they're against domestic <laughs> violence. I mean... We would just, of that can party. we have a little school choice, please? Just a little. We would like to Brian exceed. Jay, what if all the St. Louis folks had all the school choice they could have, and you just left us rule Missouri folks? Would that work, Travis? Just let, let, the, the Zizzers don't need help from some groups from Washington tell them how to run their school. Zizzers are doing fine. Look, we do don't improve our public schools by starving them. And if we want to improve our public schools, we need to pay our teachers more, we need to have new, up-to-date buildings, and we need to give technology to classrooms and students but and families. If St. Louis folks want to starve themselves, let them, right? That's a trick question. <laughs> well, it's not a trick question. We're about out of time. Mr. Mayor, who won the week? Mike Kehoe won the week. He got a game-changing heavyweight endorsement from the firefighters over two years ahead of the next I cycle. I think the it's firefighters are one of the most, maybe one of the, if not the most impactful endorsements in the state. Absolutely. They bring finances, but they hit the ground. Those yellow shirts, I remember uh, 2008, they were the only group really out there for him. But you could tell because the firefighters are a heck of an endorsement. I was always proud to have their endorsement. Who won the week? I would say house budget dims. You know, we got over $100 million in our projects put into the budget two days ago or yesterday, and I'm really proud of that. More importantly, you represent the Cardinals well today. And, of course, the Cardinals, yeah. Who won the week? Well, you know, grassroots are close to my heart, and so I'm going to pick um, the activists and Mary Elizabeth Coleman in Jefferson County because they, through a lot of work, defeated an additional tax. Who won the week? Lewis Riggs. He got $125 million more for Well, he's broadband. been a champion. Yes, he has. I'm going to say person on our panel here, Brian Trees. Served the city of Columbia very well through eight incredibly tumultuous years. I really think set a high benchmark for what you can do as a mayor of big Missouri city. We'll see you next week from our St. Louis studios on This Week in Missouri Politics.
Support for this program has been provided by the Missouri Automobile Dealers Association, Ameren, Spire, and Sterling Bank. Guys, thank you so much for watching the show. I want to tell you about a new thing we're offering. It's the Missouri Times Podcast Network. You'll get this show every week. If you want to listen to it in your car, you don't have time to watch it. You'll get our show in Missouri podcast, History of Missouri, one county at a time. You'll also get our midweek update. Once a week, I throw up the uh, Facebook Live. I, 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 we talk politics, usually it'll lunch and discuss politics. You'll get to hear all those things come right to your phone. Subscribe to us on iTunes or Android, Missouri Times Podcast Network. Please join us and subscribe.